Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house, happy to be here. Financial Excellence with Game Changers, Season 11, even I can't believe it, our longest running. Michelle, did you know that? This is our longest running Game Changers series. I have Michelle Hazendogs and I have Esteban Rostrolo with me today. They'll be giving you their bios in a few minutes, but we have a very important topic that's going to resonate with companies, our audience, our loyal listeners, and we're now live streaming on LinkedIn, yay, around the world. This is something that will be important to you, so listen up. I have a quote from a website called smart.arqlite.com, and here's the quote. Listen, sustainability, there I said it, the big word. Sustainability is no longer a nice-to-have extra. It is a critical piece of the puzzle for companies looking to stay ahead of the competition and protect their bottom line. A Forbes study, and I don't have the date from the article, I usually like to have that, but I don't, <clears throat> found that companies with sustainability programs outperform their peers by factors such as return on equity, operating margin, net profit margin. The good news, sustainability can be easy to implement and track if you have the right tools in place. One of those tools, the big M word of our show today, metrics. Metrics, these are the KPIs used to measure your company's environmental progress. That's buzz quote number one. Guests, did you like that one, Michelle and Esteban? I thought that was pretty cool. Here's quote number two. This is from G-O-B-Y-I-N-C, gobyinc.com. I don't know these websites, but the quotes were too good not to use. For companies focused on ESG, you know, environmental, social governance efforts, metrics matter. But here's the kicker. Each industry and organization will have different metrics that are material to their business. And Esteban is waving and smiling, yes, and nodding. And I have the third quote from HBR. We know that's harvardbusinessreview.org. Listen up. The past decade has seen a boom in sustainability reporting options. So we've got metrics, we've got no longer a nice to have, and now we're talking reporting. Deciding which metrics to use when reporting on corporate sustainability performance can be overwhelming for executives. So if everybody in our audience is going, oh, I know, but what do we do? Where do we go? We're going to try and help you today. Some companies report only their greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. Some publish glossy reports about their CSR. It's alphabet soup. Sorry, corporate social responsibility. And some use their ESG. We've already defined that. They use their ratings as a badge of honor. Look at us. We've got high ESG ratings. But most executives don't know why or when to choose one report over another. So let's get down to it. Here is our real introduction. Sustainability, strategy, and reporting are hot topics. And management priorities for many organizations, stakeholders, internal and external. Why? Because they can have a tangible impact on the organization. I'm going to say your organization. I'm talking to our audience to access finance, attract talent, and grow market share. Very, very important. Now, here's a big picture. Worldwide compliance requirements are driving broad-ranging sustainability initiatives, but the metrics to manage and report against can vary by sector, by country, and by strategy. And companies need not only make future commitments about sustainability metrics, you've also got to say, how are you going to get it all done while improving your overall corporate performance? Business must go on, but you got to do this too. So what are forward-thinking organizations doing? They're looking at sustainability reporting as an opportunity for new opportunities, new efficiencies, and growth, which require performance management capability and culture. 
Where in the world do you start? I have Michelle Hazendonks at SAP. Michelle, I can spell your name by heart. Perfect. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense when I look at the letters that they sound that way. And I have memorized your name. I think you were on the show a couple of years ago. Welcome back. It's wonderful to see you. And we have a newcomer. We have Esteban Rathrolo Lerma. And he said his mom would be very happy if I use Lerma as his other last name at EY. We're so happy to have you. We are always honored to have panelists from EY. And I'm going to ask them for their insights on, here's the topic, it's a big topic, sustainability performance management, business imperative or wishful thinking. I hope you're on the right side of that question to our listeners and viewers around the world. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, go by Bonnie D. You can call me that anytime and I will say, yes, I'm here. Let's go around the table. It's a small table today, but we've got some really great topic insights to share with you from my two special guests. Oh, shout out to uh, Pross Chatterjee, who is one of the ongoing sponsors of the show, and Chris Grundy. Chris, you went to another team at SAP this year, but you're back putting this show together, and I'm so happy to be working with you again. So Chris Grundy, big shout out to you. Michelle, I'm going to put you on speaker view, and I'm going to ask you to take about three minutes and tell us, catch us up. I did my math. Okay, Michelle, this is important. Just before the show, I ran the numbers. And I found out that there are about 13.2 people in the world who don't remember you. That's it. Only 13.2. I know it's, it's terrible, but I want you to talk to those 13.2 people. <laughs> Esteban, you're brand new. You're talking to everybody and catch them up, Michelle. What have you been doing since you're on last? Bring us up to date. And we want to know why are you here? What's your passion for this topic? Why should anybody listen to you? I like listening to you, but why should anybody else listen to you? Go ahead, Michelle. Welcome back. All right, like great to be back, uh, actually, Bonnie. Uh, I think like I've enjoyed let's say being on your show a couple of times already before, in the last past couple of years. Uh, we actually, I remember we had one on the on let's say in this same area of sustainability uh, some time ago. Another one on performance management, and actually why I like to be here and like what I'm passionate about, as let's say the, let's say the the ones who know me from from the past, uh, is actually um, business performance and making sure that let's say we can. Uh, really bring all of the elements together to make sure that any business is, let's say, at its best. Um, I've been a management accountant. I've been a CFO in, in my own past. And what I love to combine is, is actually the, the way where technology can be combined uh, with, let's say, the business requirements that typically are on the table of the CFO. And one of the new things, well, relatively new things, but which are, let's say, rapidly increasing in terms of importance on uh, the CFO's agenda is the topic of sustainability, not by itself, uh, but let's say as part of making sure that um, I can run my company in the best possible way, not only from a compliance perspective, which let's say, of course, we all need to take care of, but also from a financing perspective, do I get, let's say, the right funds to invest in, let's say, my new activities or expanding my activities? And let's say also, let's say to be not just profitable, but sustainable profitable, because actually, if you look at my backgrounds, uh, you see the Stelvio Pass. I, I'm, let's say, I'm uh, loving cycling. Uh, I, my son loves mountain biking. I basically learned to love it too. But you can only do that if you have nice nature. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say that's only one aspect of sustainability, but I think we all have a lot of work to do uh, to get there. Um, while, of course, the economy needs to, uh, let's keep on turning uh, let's say in the combination there is really one of my new um, let's say pieces of passion uh, within the broad area of uh, business controlling so that's in, in brief why I'm here 
Thank you very much. Wonderful to see you again. And yes, there was a similar topic sometime last year, I think early 2021. And I'm glad you're back. That's why they picked you. because. But it has evolved. So that's. Yeah. Oh, yes, it has. And just a quick question for you. Yes or no answer, Michelle, if you don't mind. Is what we're talking about today going to be a shock and amazement for business leaders around the world? What? I have to have metrics now? I have to have KPI? Or is this something they already know about? Is, is it a shock? I hope. I hope it's not going to be a complete shock. Otherwise, it's going to be a very positive shock uh, and something which people need to really grab and and go and and act upon very, very quickly. That's why we're doing the topic. Thank you, Esteban Rastrolo. You've got the Lerma on top. You don't have it on the bottom. So Zoom is going to just call you Monsieur Rastrolo. I am so happy to have you. We met on a prep call last week. It was just delightful. Uh, can't wait to have your thought leadership added to our topic today. So I'm going to put you on speaker view. Would you please do a full introduction? Who are you? What do you do? A little bit about what EY is up to, but why are you here? What's your passion? And welcome, Esteban. Go ahead. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Um, first of all, big thanks for inviting me to the show. Very happy to share here the, the floor with Michelle and, and you. As perhaps uh, you may get from the accent, I am from Spain, uh, from Madrid. And in terms of my background, I am an industrial engineer, but I have never worked as an industrial engineer. So as many people, uh, when I finalized my degree, I didn't have a clue or where I would like to put myself in the, in the, professional, in the professional world, where I should put my, my professional my career. So I thought, let's give uh, a try to the consulting space because I thought that that will allow me to identify for which industry, for which business function I would like to, to work in the, in the future. And that's the reason why I joined a very famous a big four a company a, in the CFO advisory practice. It's the practice that uh, support the CFOs to improve the performance of the processes that under the scope of CFO to the adoption of technology and processor engineer. And what was initially going to be like a tool to identify what I would like to become when I get older, it suddenly became my passion. It suddenly became my passion, and that is what I've been doing for the last 16 years, uh, working and supporting CFO of uh, all the world uh, on their finance digital transformation. And most recently, as part of my role in UI, I have the chance to work very close to two topics that uh, I think are very trending as of now. One is taxes and the other one is sustainability. And I really have passion for those two topics because I think uh, those two topics where we can achieve significant, significant achievement through the adoption of technology. And that's my passion and my motivation for being part of this panel with you too. Thank you very much. Such a pleasure to meet you. And and there is, for both of you, I sense, there's an, an intersection of the personal interest, right? The human interest in sustainability and what's happening with the world, to the world, by the world, for the world. I could have a whole list of prepositions here. <laughs> <laughs> And, and what businesses' role is, isn't that what we're talking today about? What, But businesses, when, and Michelle, you know this from your work with me on past shows, your, your appearances, is that it always comes down to people. We always say, you should do this. Your company should do this. You're going to do that. And I end up asking the question, Esteban and my panelists often, who is the you? 
who is the per is it everybody is it from the bottom up of the ranks is it from the top down is it just the c-suite is it those dreaded well they aren't dreaded anymore the millennials who come in with all of their values the companies didn't have they're getting old by the way the, the millennials and the values so uh, the question is yes and i i'm happy that you both brought up how interested you are in the topic that makes it relatable isn't that a wonderful word relatable to our audience so let's go around the table now this is the part of the show where i've asked my guests to send me a quote from a fictional movie or tv character or a song oh michelle you outdid yourself on this one and the song lyric or the movie quote or the tv quote has nothing to do with the topic and they're going to relate it to the topic in their own words talking about relatable love that word so michelle has picked a quote from the wonderful bruce springsteen song dancing in the dark written and performed by american rock singer bruce springsteen adding up tempo synthesizer riffs i'm getting very technical here michelle <laughs> to his sound for the first time the song spent four weeks at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and sold one million copies in the U.S. It was the first single released from the 1984 album Born in the U.S. and became his biggest selling hit and biggest selling album of his career. It was the highest selling single of 1984. Interesting year. Peaked at number one in Belgium and the Netherlands and top 10 in seven other countries. It's listed on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. That's what it is. Okay. I'm going to read one more thing. I think you'll love this. He wrote Dancing in the Dark overnight, Michelle. Did you know he wrote it one night? No, John, I didn't. John Landau convinced him the album needed a single. Springsteen said, ah, I don't think so. He said, listen, I've written 70 songs. You want another one? You write it. So he sat down in his hotel room and he wrote the song. Six takes, recorded it at the Hit Factory, 58 mixes, completed it. And the 12-inch single was the highest selling in the U.S. that year. Great. Here is the line that Michelle has picked from the song. Love this. You can't start a fire without a spark. Michelle, please translate this for us into our topic, sustainability <laughs> metrics. Can't wait to hear this one. <laughs> it's not about, let's say, starting a fire to burn on all, the, all of the woods in the Amazon. Let's say, let's, let's be very clear about that. It's the contrary. Uh, maybe one small anecdote to, to, let's say, why Bruce Springsteen actually is the first big artist that I saw live when I was at the age of 14. Um, and so that was, I was basically in a big concert hall, well, small concert hall compared to the US probably in Belgium. And I was on the fourth row listening to all of his great stories he was telling during the show. Basically, I will never forget. And that's why it had to be a quote from Bruce. Anyway. To let's say to the goat, uh, you can't start a fire without a spark. I think we all have uh, sometimes the idea that let's say, well, well, by myself, I really can't change the world. Everybody's complaining about like, and everybody sees, mm -hmm. and, like at least the majority of people are convinced, I would say, about let's say climate change, about let's say the nature uh, that we need to protect, also about social aspects, which we just need to be uh, balancing out much better than we than we did in the past and so on and so forth. And then we typically second uh, uh, typical human factor is let's say well there's there's little i can do so hey why should i you know install solar panels on my rooftop because you know that's not going to change the world but let's say every small drop helps and actually that's how i interpret this it's like we, we need to start small also from a sustainability perspective i think there's still a lot of things moving and we'll be talking about that for sure or certain aspects at, uh, at least um let's see where the show will bring us but also there i say every company has just let's say the well important um or should have the important drive in in my opinion and the company i work I work for sap definitely has has that clear drive 
let's say, to start changing. And of course, we need to do it all together, but we need to all pick up the small pieces. That's basically how I would like to translate a quote into something which is highly um, related to sustainability. Thank you very much. Beautifully done. I didn't know there was personal history with seeing Bruce uh-huh. Springsteen as a baby, 14 years <laughs> old. My, and they let you into the concert? I'm only teasing. That, that's, that's a nice story. That's really nice. Thank you so much. And again, bringing it back to the individual, personal level and the company level, because people work for companies and people, people populate companies and companies are people, no matter how you look at it. Yeah. So thank you very much. Esteban and I were talking about what quote, and I said to him, I've got some great ideas. He wasn't sure where he was going to go with this. And then I said, how about a good old Beatles song? So let me give you the background here. The English rock band, as if anybody doesn't know the Beatles, this was a non-album single in July 1967. So we've gone from 1984 with Michelle's quote. We've fast forwarded all the way to 1967 with Esteban's. We're making progress. All you need is love is a quote, but it's the title of the song written by John Lennon, credited to the Lennon-McCartney partnership. It was, this is important, it was Britain, very important, uh, Esteban, it was Britain's contribution to Our World, which was the first live global TV link for which the band was filmed performing at studios in London June 25th. The program was broadcast by satellite and seen by over 400 million people in 25 countries. We should be so lucky 400 million should see this radio show, right, Esteban? But we've got a good start here. (laughs) Lennon's lyrics were deliberately simplistic because he wanted the international audience to capture the utopian ideals associated with the summer of love. The single topped the charts in Britain, the U.S., and became the anthem for the counterculture's embrace of flower power philosophy. It was included in the U.S. Magical Mystery Tour album. It was the moral for the Beatles' 1968 film, the animated film, We All Live in a Yellow... I try not to sing on a show, I'm sorry. (laughs) Broadcast in black and white, the Our World performance was colorized for the Beatles' anthology. Global Beatles... I didn't know there was a Beatles Day, Esteban. Since 2009, it's an international celebration of the Beatles' music and social message June 25th every year in tribute to their Our World performance. How appropriate that the song is affiliated with Our World and isn't sustainability about Our World. So the the quote is, all you need is love. I hope I didn't mess that up. Esteban, rescue me, please. Go ahead. Tell us how you and I picked this quote for the show today. Go ahead. Well, I guess I'm not being very original, right? Uh, Saying that Beatles are by far one of the favorite artists that, that they have. In fact, as you may uh, realize from my hair, I can say that I look similar to what the Beatles look like with the same similar hair. <laughs> but the reason for, for picking out this, uh, this quote is because I think that this statement was absolutely valid by the time it was written in 1967, as you mentioned, Bonnie. But I think it might require some tweak in order to bring it to to the years that we are living, right? So in a similar way that nowadays companies cannot say all you need is profit, so what they need is sustainable profit. They need to generate profit in a way that doesn't harm the environment, that doesn't harm the society. I think that at an individual level, all you need is love might not be sufficient. I guess that all of us, what we like to have is a sustainable love a love that lasts in time and love that doesn't harm uh, society, environment, or anyone else. And that was a little bit the link I will just trying to, to do between profit and love and try to update a little bit the, 
the quote that our dear friends Beatles did uh, 40 years ago or 50 years ago. Thank you very much. So how many years ago was it? It was 33 and 22, 55 years ago. 55. That's the speed limit in New York where I come from on the Long Island Expressway. <laughs> the age of the speed limit. I used to say that's all I'll admit is that, never mind. Thank you both for the quotes. And what's interesting is all you need is love. If you come right down to the individual contribution to sustainability, Michelle and Esteban, you do need to love the concept of sustainability in order to buy into it in order to, and a company needs to say, so you need a lot more than love and, but you also need to love, I'm using that very broadly, of course, the topic of the concept of sustainability. You can't yeah. be a naysayer, right, Michelle and, and Esteban, you need to buy into it. And that's show me yeah. some love for sustainability. So it's, it's a double edge. Actually, when I, when you and I were talking about the quote, I thought all you need is love. You need to have a lot more than love, but you actually need to love the whole thing. So thank you very much, both. I appreciate the quotes. Very, very nice and wonderful, iconic songs and performers. So always makes me feel good. And I think the audience relates as, what are you doing with a Beatles quote and a Springsteen quote on a show about sustainability metrics? Yes, yeah. we did it. They did it very well. So let's go on. We're going to start our round table. Here's how it works. Esteban, I'm going to, well, not you yet. I'm looking at Michelle. I put statement number one into the chat for you privately, Michelle. I'm going to read it and I'm I'm going to ask you to unpack it, expand it, whatever you want to call it. I'm not interviewing you. I'm just inviting you. Take about three, four minutes because it's just the two of you. And then Esteban, I want you to move forward just to drop in your chair because you're going to be poised to respond to Michelle with an agree. Oh, yeah, Michelle, you missed the prep call. I always prep my guests. You're going to agree or disagree. Now, even if you agree with Michelle, I want you to speak give it your full thought leadership for about three minutes as well. Michelle, you'll have a chance to respond back to Esteban, but if you think it's fine, I will have already put a statement of Esteban's into a private chat to you, and we're just going to go playing that ping pong back and forth across the table. So Michelle has, has a dog, has said the following to me before the show. He says, sustainability, I love this, used to be a marketing gimmick, but this, is become, this has become the past as more and more companies understand the green line is influencing both top and bottom line, not only because of rising regulatory requirements, but both from a financing as well as a business steering perspective. So let's get the groundwork here. Michelle, go ahead, unpack, please. Yeah, sure. So like, first of all, let's say with the first part of the, the statement, I, I think a lot of people can relate to this in a way, at least it's my personal opinion, um, is that in, let's say a couple of years back when you, you saw basically the annual statements of many companies, um, or even, let's say, on all kinds of products they were launching in the market, all of a sudden they were all carrying a blue sticker or a green sticker. And in the annual accounts, you basically it started with, okay, this is my corporate goal. But then let's say the second line was like, well, you know, look how green I am. Although it was basically based on a lot of, let's say, hot air, I, I would say. And I don't want to offend anybody that already really put... Uh, some real stuff in the, in the annual reports, but let's say for the majority, it was not the case. I think that is really definitely in the past uh, right now. Um, of course, let's say the way to push organizations to, let's say, to adopt a certain new uh, topic and to focus on it um, can be, if you're looking at it narrow-minded, let's say to look at it um, yeah, in a narrow-minded way, sorry, um, is basically through through regulations, right? Like comparing it to tax reporting. I don't know anything about tax system. Yeah, you, like, you're the experts on that. <laughs> so I'm not gonna, let's say, dive into that. It's far too dangerous. 
Um, but anyway, it's, it's, it is kind of comparable, um, the regularity requirements which are coming up. Although, to be honest, um, they're absolutely not fixed. It's like Unlike tax regulations and tax reporting, it's relatively clear. Sure, in certain countries, it changes. But in this case, like you have all kinds of organizational bodies and, and like I don't know what, that are trying to, to, to impose certain standards. But they're not really clear yet. In, the, in, the, in Europe, for instance, like as Esteban and myself, we both come from, from Europe. Sorry, Bonnie. Uh, let's say we have the uh, EU taxonomy, but it's, that's just the basis. I think that's, of course, a way to push it through. Um, but more importantly is, I think, uh, more recently, more and more companies have been understanding or getting to understand, uh, let's say, the, the importance of really engaging in the topic of, of sustainability. And that's not only about carbon emission and the environment, but also social aspects. Let's say the, the full enchilada, all of the ESG aspects, in order to make sure that, and for, for instance, you get access to, 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 to financing. Um, do I get access to funds in order to really make things happen that I want to? Do I get, let's say, the, let's say, well, and you always can get funds from, from banks, but it's going to be at what cost? There's going to be a much higher rate, uh, a cost rate that you need to pay if you're investing in brown activities than in greenish uh, uh, activities. So that's a, a, a second, a very, like, that's, I think, one of the most prominent uh, changes. And then what really shocked me, what basically what made this uh, be my number one statement, in fact, is, a couple of months back, I was in the Middle East and um, talking to the CFO of, um, of a steel producer. Um, there's not hundreds of them. So like you might be starting to think who it might be, but I can't disclose the name as, as you can imagine. Um, but basically his, his core question, like, hey, hey, Michelle, how can you help me? And not me personally, but uh, as, a, as a company behind, how can you help me to make sure that I'm still gonna be in business in 10 years from now? Because I'm starting to wonder, like, say, producing steel is not necessarily a green activity, right? Um, it's very high energy consuming, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all kinds of reasons. And he was even thinking beyond just the financing bit, but also, let's say, how am I going to be, well, existing, not just being profitable, but am I going to be in business? Am I going to be out of business? You also see that with a lot of energy companies, oil and gas companies that are transforming themselves, even when applying new names, let's say to change this uh, around in order to really focus on this. So I think we're very far away from, you know, sustainability as a gimmick, which is not that long ago. Um, um, and that's basically kind of, well, the context I wanted to give to it. I Thank could go you. on for hours on this, but I'm Thank not. Thank you. Let's give Esteban a chance and yeah, then we'll exactly. bounce it back to you. Esteban, thank you very much. Very, very important points about company companies existing. And in my introduction, I said improving the overall corporate performance. Well, the question is improving the ability of the corporation to be alive, basically, right? The yeah. chances of staying alive, staying alive. Oh, we have another song there. That's the Bee Gees. Esteban, go ahead. Un you're, he unpacked it. You're going to agree or disagree, please. Go yeah, ahead. no, I could agree more with uh, what Michelle has said. And I am having the, the same feeling, the same experience uh, with the companies and the CFO that I am working with. I think one of the, the biggest evidence that this has, is now a, a reality is that perhaps some years ago, companies were more focused on the reporting part, saying that there is some standard or some information that needs to be, be reported or some information needs to be disclosed. 
But now, what we see is that companies are doing a lot of effort, not only to be able to report, but also to monitor and to act, see how they can improve the performance of those metrics. It's not only about, I need to provide transparency, I need to give visibility on what I'm greenhouse emission, what is the waste that I have. They're also thinking, okay, how I need to set up my organization? What are the process framework that I need to put in place in order to make sure that I can track uh, all those KPIs? And also, how can I find the parameters that I can activate in order to improve the KPI, um, sustainability KPIs? So for me, that's one of the biggest evidence that um, uh, reinforced what uh, Michelle was uh, was explaining earlier. Thank you very much. I was going to use your statement about measurement as the next one. Should I scrap that, or do you want to talk more about that? Can we go into that? When no, when happy should... to unfold that. Okay, uh, that let one. me just yeah. let me just hit the return button for you. And uh, Michelle, comments back to Esteban. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, what is there more to say? Well, there's many more things mm -hmm. to say, but let's say. Um, uh, as Esteban was fully agreeing, I think, yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to unfold, because I like the, the idea on, on, let's say, the metric side, I think there's more to it than metrics, right? Because measurement is one thing. It's basically on the action, which comes from understanding where I am and where I should be and where I could be. Um, let's say where we really need to take it first uh, further. Um, and just, let's say, not start with, yeah, reporting on some KPIs. That's yes. not going to save the world. I remember my KPI days. I was at SAP for nine years, Michelle, and I remember, and it was in my early radio show days, and I used to have to promise that I would increase listenership by 5% every year. I had no way of controlling that. It's a global oh. audience. I had no way, but I had to. My, You get my point is that we say yeah. things in KPIs, and then we have to try and figure out how to meet what we said we would do eventually the radio audience just exploded or blossomed all over the world with total of millions of people listening over the years. But coming up with that, so I'm very familiar with when we say KPIs, key performance indexes, indices, it's like, okay, you're setting a goal. Can you really meet it? Is it realistic? So let's move on. Thank you, Michelle. Great opening topic for our formal roundtable. Esteban, I'm going to read your statement number two, which I put in the chat. Let's get down to business here. What matters need to be measured. I think there's an Einstein quote that wasn't really from him. And many times companies need to go beyond the statutory ESG requirements. That's where I want you to go. By understanding what is driving value, it's easier to know which levers to pull, actions to continue, and areas to focus on. That could be the title of a book. That was really cool. Levers to pull, actions to continue, and areas to focus on. That's poetic, Esteban. I appreciate that. Go ahead. Let's hear from you. Michelle, you'll, you'll be doing the agree or disagree in just a couple minutes. Esteban, it's all yours. Perfect. Thank you so, thank you so much. I think that at the end, uh, as I was uh, saying that, saying that you cannot improve what you cannot measure. So this is what really makes the makes the difference. No, uh, if you look a little bit as to the the um, statutory reporting requirements or what's going to need to be provided, could be fine in terms of compliance. So you will be fine, and nobody is going to claim that you are not reporting what you should. But then if we deep dive a little bit and say, hey. But is this information enough to measure what I am doing? And with this information, will I be capable of identifying the root cause of what I am performing like I am doing right now? That is what 
what we see in, in the companies or in that we are working with is that uh, we need to find more KPIs. We, we need to deep data a bit on, on the information, try to understand what is the root cause. Also, in terms of process governance, we need to define responsibility. Who is going to take care of each type of, of metric? Where we are going to, to collect information from in order to make sure that we do not only understand what is happening. We need to go one step forward. We need to see, okay, how can I make sure that I can achieve my long and medium goals that has been set up. And in, when we talk about sustainability, the majority of the goals that we have are long or midterm goals. So I want to become carbon neutral by 2025. I want to reduce uh, the amount of waste that I am delivering by 2024, for example. Mm-hmm. But how do you know if you are going to be close of achieving or failing that target? You cannot wait until then. So you need to make sure that you have the tools or that you have the process in place to make sure that you can follow up and see that um, you can measure the performance around the uh, around those metrics and how you are doing in terms of sustainability. I'm not sure, Michelle, if you agree with, uh, with this fact or... Let's give them a chance here. Michelle, <laughs> you, you've been summoned, monsieur. Go ahead. All right. Uh, no. Um... Yeah, like how, like of course, yeah. In a way, I agree. Um, um, the the the, in, the initial thing which came to mind um, were, when you were, let's say, uh, let's say, kind of unpacking your your statement, Esteban, was, well, you know, uh, as an ex controller, as let's say, a professional in the area of financial performance management for the last I don't know how many years. You see the gray hair, uh, so that tells enough. I think this is exactly the same. Right. So it's nothing in a way, it's nothing new, um, I would say, because like I said, well, yeah, sustainability is like a new angle. Basically, what every company and every controller, more specifically, um, should have been doing already in the in the past. I don't know how many years is, let's say, check out not only OK, what my financial results are from a legal perspective, because, you know, they don't mean shit. Uh, sorry for my bad language, but um, but it's it's mostly let's say the the managerial side of things, the internal economic value of certain investments that you do, and so on and so forth. And for me, sustainability is just this additional angle to to the same. Um, so yeah, I think it's very logical, and it's nice to hear you say this. Um, and I think it might be very interesting for our audience to say, you know, it's nothing new. It's basically just an extension to what you should already have been doing for the last how many years to make sure that your your company is, let's say, sound and is profitable. Typically, that's what we are all after for the majority of the organizations, maybe not in public sector, in some other uh, areas. But in general, let's say we're looking at how to be a profitable company. And of course, we want to measure that. We want to know that. We want to, let's say, compare where we are to where we want to be. And, and basically, in order to become a sustainable, profitable company, it's exactly the same thing. You just need to add in this additional um, dimension. So, yeah, I think absolutely. Um, and let's not blow it up. Let's not make it more difficult or complex than it is. Because from a performance management perspective, I think it can be relatively, relatively simple. Although the other element you were saying, you know, of course, you need to have the right base data. And that's typically the big issue that we're facing. We don't have that base data. And also finance people are not used to think about something else than US dollars or euros uh, for, for that matter, right? 
And this is this complete new thing. It's not monetary. It's something different. And that's making it a, probably a challenge. Maybe that's an element I'd like to add to, uh, to, to your points. Thank you, Michelle Esteban. You, and Michelle, I just put your next statement in the chat, a nice segue from where you were just about to go. Okay. Esteban, anything you want to say back to Michelle? No, I, I think you make a, a very important remark, no? So if we look at it, this is not that far of what we have been doing in the performance management space. Of course, there are perhaps two or three small tweaks that need to be considered. I think you already called out some of them. Like for example, the uh, heterogeneous of the data that needs to, to be consumed. This is not only dollars here. We have emissions. We have a kilogram of waste. We have data that comes from very different places in very different formats. And also perhaps the other big difference that, uh, that they see is that this is an exercise that cannot be done, on my view, uh, alone by a unique department in the organization. This is an exercise that requires, a, that requires an holistic view, it requires contribution from many different, many different departments. And it's important that we break the silos that in some organizations sometimes they have, and they, you know, in order to enable or to um, freedom all the potential that uh, we could deliver to manage uh, sustainability and to measure the profit uh, sustainability. Thank you. All excellent points. Thank you, Esteban, for that great kicking off point. That's why I get the statements from you, because it our, starts our conversation threads. Good back and forth, gentlemen. Michelle, I'm going to combine. We talk, I talked about this in my notes to you when I first received this from you, and I think these, these two can relate, and you have enough time to pull them together. So Michelle says, it's no surprise that sustainability ends up on the table of the office of the CFO, and that's a goes with our title of our series, Financial Excellence. It's about CFO. He says, finance has been looked at as the key department delivering insight into a company's performance and performance management is under evolution. Let me add the next statement. Sustainability is on the table of the CFO. This is logical and challenging at the same time. As for the first time, Finance deals with non-monetary information, which you just mentioned. We're talking data, data, data. It's interesting to see how they cope with this. Let's talk about the table of the CFO. Are they coping? Yeah. What are they saying? What? We're finance. We count the money. Why do we have to count sustainability? I hope nobody we know talks like that. Michelle, <laughs> go ahead, please. <laughs> yeah, let's see. And and I probably already came out partially out of, let's say, my talking on the on the previous state and on the, my reaction to Esteban's statement. So sorry for that. Um, but anyway, I think it 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 glues uh, glues together quite quite nicely. And again, like I said, I think well, some time ago where sustainability become became this real topic and not just marketing gimmick. Um, like it wasn't clear always, let's say, where it would end up on whose table. Because of course, if you're in a production company. You basically could also say, well, the R&D department needs to take this because basically they decide in their the R&D phase what is like and how we are going to impact the environment uh, with a new product, uh, let's say, with, which is basically all about product footprint, um, uh, environmental pro product footprint. That's that's one aspect. And then you have the social aspects. You could say, well, that's ended up on the table of HR. And then you have other aspects. And again and again and, and on, on the table of sales or basically my travel policy because everybody's flying around the world. We shouldn't be doing this anymore because, you know, blah, blah, blah. So actually, um, why? And that it's probably... I didn't invent it, but that's, again, my, my personal understanding and, and ideas behind it is this is probably, again, why and a similarity we, we can take with 
all kinds of activities happen within a company. Where do we see the 360 degree, degree view on our performance, on our business performance coming together? That's basically at the desk of the, of the CFO. So from that perspective, I think it's absolutely not a surprise that sustainability also in the end is coming up more and more on the table of the CFO. That's not just my, my personal opinion. I also see it, let's say we have, let's say, ton loads of questions coming in on this topic in general from all kinds of sites. And it's always going to come from the finance department. So it's clear, let's say, it is really the responsible, well, not the sole responsibility, but it's something to be picked up really uh, by, by the finance department. I think, let's say, for finance uh, um, professionals on the show, I think it's something, if you didn't do this, uh, I think this uh, like, is a clear call out, like, please do, because nobody else is going to pick it up uh, in, in your organization. So that's, that's very important. Again, not only from a compliance perspective, mm -hmm. because of course that's, that would be logical narrow view, but what the main topic also of today is, is really on performance management. Again, repeating what we kind of both already stated. Yeah, the fact that we need to inject the sustainable aspect into the performance management cycle and exercise and in, in, in every process. And I would say like when we try to inject and come into the second part in trying to inject it into, uh, into this exercise, well, the real complexity comes in um, when, um, when we look into uh, the different aspects of ESG, because it is not monetary. Like we are not used to, like I've, I have a finance background, I'm not an IT person. Um, and I also have been dealing, well, I've been dealing with the topic of sustainability for, for some time now, uh, not only, but like the difficulty is, yeah, hey, how do we, how do we put this? How do we measure this? You need to have a unit of measure. And of yes. course, for and and like how we're going to take this. And the one we know, we all know, is the monetary unit of measure. The, 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 let's say the currency that we're all, let's say, talking and thinking in. And that's also what you see happening, actually. When you see ESG reporting, yeah, sure, you have tonnages of carbon emission. But then the next thing you want to do is, or we all try to do is, hey, let's do this times a cost per ton why like why because it's in our heads we're kind of mm -hmm. naturally formed like this we want to put it into a cost amount and it's not yep. it's not wrong to do so but it's also adding a lot of complexity um because yeah what is the rate what is the cost rate of a ton of carbon emission there is no single rate and of course there's averages and Esteban, you might know even more about this than i do but you have, let's say, all kinds of, let's say, bodies that are publishing kind of standards and averages, and then you basically can pick them up. So it's neutral, but it's, yeah, is this real? Like, is it just a way to try to transform it? And I'm really interested, like, and we're discussing this heavily internally from, from a software development perspective, of course. Um, I'm really interested where we're going to take this next. I don't have the full answer that, to that. But just, let's say, trying to push it into dollars or euros, I'm not sure that's going to give us the complete picture because by doing so, we're kind of already blurring the truth because we are throwing in averages. And, and I'm not sure that's the right or the only way uh, to do it. So we really need to yeah, take it out of the monetary-only approach, uh, in, in my humble opinion. But again, like this is evolving. I also don't know where this is going to lead us.
Well, let's see if Esteban can give us some cookie crumbs or breadcrumbs where we're going to lead with this. And I love where you said we need some kind of neutral measurement, Michelle. And I'm thinking we're going to respell the word neutral, N-E-W-T-R-A-L, neutral, because this is a new area. Sorry for the pun, but I, I think we need to come. Yeah, a neutral measurement. Thank you very much. I try. Esteban, you're up. Agree or disagree with Michelle? Go ahead. No, oh, again, I, I agree with, with his statement. So I think that the, the CFO, um, or in a very natural way, has the, the, the tools or have the, the capabilities to uh, assume that task uh, because it's by basically what they have been doing, for example, with the controlling, with the performance management, or even, for example, with, with the tax department. So at, at the end, uh, doing the, the sustainability performance management exercise is not much different to what they are doing already for, for, other, for other areas. Also, I think that the fact that the CFO needs to, to deal in most of the organization with the investors that are requesting for that information, with the, uh, with the um, agency that measure uh, the rating, etc. I think it's very natural that they absorb or that they assume this, um, this task. However, what I, and it's also related to what I was saying earlier, I think that it's important that uh, they act like the guy that consolidated all that information, but this needs to be unlocked and needs to be shared and properly uh, shared with the rest of the organization in order to bring from the CFO to the operational, to operational sites also, the operational units. Thank you very much. Michelle, yeah. anything you want to say back? And Esther, yeah. and I'm just pushing a topic at you. Go ahead. Yeah, actually, you know, in order to, let's say, for clarification purposes, let's say to, to, let's say to our audience, I like really the fact, because I've been using it as well, not because I've been using it, but I really like the comparison that you're making to the tax topic. Now, typically you have, mm -hmm. you know, you want to you wanna analyze your, your financial performance. You basically look at your group. How can I maximize my profits, let's say, overall for my entire organization? That's one view. Then we basically know that a lot of companies are acting very internationally. And then basically they're throwing around, let's say, goods and services and let's say shipping around stuff and, and half, uh, half, let's say, finished materials and, and I don't know what. So basically, that's where the topic of transfer pricing comes in. And I know uh, you guys at EY like, have a, a big department on that. So like, I, I know some of your colleagues uh, very well on that. Um, and it's it's interesting, right? Because that's giving us a, a second view because uh, sometimes we decide to change our supply chain or to adapt, let's say, the route we're taking because of tax reasons, tax optimization, right? Uh, to put it in a nice word. Um, and in a very similar way, I think we need to start thinking more and more about it also on the sustainability side. Because also there, again, taking the same example, well, does it make sense to ship a raw material from Brazil into Turkey in order to get it processed there and then ship it again uh, to, to, to China to, to the next step in, in, in my, my supply chain or not. Basically, from a sustainability perspective, it probably doesn't make any sense at all, right? From a tax optimization perspective, maybe it does. From a group perspective, it might also. But then basically rewriting my supply chain based on this additional input, this kind of third view, I think that comparison is really making a lot of sense. And because the two others, everybody knows and is used to uh, already since years. And, and I think that is really bringing us back also to the actionability. It's like, if we can really link it together in a way, look at it from that perspective, 
I think that's gonna, let's say, improve the world uh, big time because we are not just optimizing it from a supply chain uh, on a group and a tax view, but also on a sustainability uh, side of things. And then, of course, then the nice, like say, the 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 thing we're like the 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 holy grail that everybody's looking for is like, okay, what's now the ideal combination of those three? Uh, because then, basically, I'm the most successful company I can ever be. Thank you, Michelle. Right. <laughs> Esteban, anything you want to say back before I move on? Uh, I think that um, Michelle described it perfectly, and I cannot, I can only agree with what he said. So we can move okay. on. Okay, we got got a lot of lot of territory there. I'm giving you the warning bell. We have six minutes until we have to close. Ooh. It goes fast. Yeah, we've covered a mm. lot already. But Esteban, I want to get in one more statement here. Your statement number four. I put it in the chat for you. The su subject of sustainability is incredibly broad. That could have been my opening line. There are multiple use cases to consider when we talk about sustainability performance management. Some examples are reporting of mandatory disclosures, modeling emissions throughout the supply chain. Michelle, you just talked about the yeah. supply chain, capital allocation of environmental taxes, and much more. The more use cases we cover, the more holistic our view will be and the more long-term value will be realized. So let's talk a little bit about holistic, unless you want to give us an anonymous use case, Esteban. I don't know what you have planned there, but we now have five minutes left. So why don't you take two and a half of those and I'll give Michelle the, the counterpoint on that one. Go ahead, Esteban. Yeah, absolutely. So as the, as the statement says, uh, the sustainability is a super broad topic and sometimes it's hard to identify where I should start that's why it's important first to understand that the more use cases or that we can put together, the more power that we will unlock out of, out of there. And there are many, many examples. I think you already called out some of them. Like for example, the mandatory disclosure, the supply chain modeling, the environmental, environmental taxes, that cannot be viewed in isolation. So you cannot, for example, uh, try to monitor the performance of the uh, of the plastic uh, or the of the plastic taxes without having an overview of the consumption or the uses of the plastic that you are doing. So then uh, we should look at this in a broader view. Try to put in the table all the different stakeholders together and see what are the collateral impacts of, uh, of the sustainability but from all the different perspectives, from operation, from the tax side, from finance. And that's the thing where we will really unlock the power that uh, we, could, um, uh, we, could, we could unlock. Unlocking the power. Good point to end that with. Michelle, I can give you about uh, three minutes. Go ahead. All right. Um, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like... Um, coming back to the first use case you mentioned and which is usually mentioned like yeah that's the official reporting which we need to do it's like one percent of let's say the entire let's say sustainability um environment at large um so i think indeed like, like it's so much broader and we need to find let's say a way to let's say pull all of the lines of businesses together the different stakeholders inside outside of the organization and ideally also let's say cross company because let's say more and more like not only from a um, from an, a reporting or an official reporting requirement perspective but also let's say okay with well, traceability or okay well if i 
if I'm a, a, a truck builder, let's say, and it's getting a second life and a third life, basically at, mm -hmm. at some point in time, we will have to trace it back. So it's just going across, let's say, the individual companies as well. Um, and that's basically why. So we were, let's say, completely with that um, from, from an SAP perspective. And I know, Bonnie, this is not about, let's say, tooling at all. Yeah. But just from a, from from let's say a topic perspective, like mm -hmm. currently what we see is that let's say mostly we're using just an analytical application to try to grab stuff together and to, well, let's say form some kind of reporting internal or the legal reporting which we need to push out, as long as I as far as that's already defined. But that's exactly the reason why we try to let's say over time and it's not there all today, but where we basically have a clear philosophy and 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 a way to go to really inject sustainability more and more in all of the operational activities from supply chain perspective, from HR perspective, from finance perspective, and to really blend it in uh, to the, to the let's say, applications uh, themselves. So I hope that already didn't go too far, Bonnie, but it's just, let's say, from a philosophy perspective, I think it's um, important to, to share because otherwise it's going to be horrendous. Um, to let's say to try to combine and 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 see really the big picture. Um, so that's my short, let's say, additional Good. remark to that. Good, thank you both. Very very interesting. I have a quick question. We got about a minute and a half, but before we, uh, Michelle, you're, there you go. Your picture froze a little bit for a second there. Oh. Question for both of you. We know there's a talent war going on. We know that people retreated to some kind of home environment remote during the pandemic the past two and a half years. And do they come back? Did they retire? Did they disengage? Are they motivated? Do they want, aside from that, do companies now need to put, we are a company that embraces sustainability when they put out a job posting especially for the finance department. Does a CFO with an opening need to say, you will be working with the development and evolution of metrics for performance management, for sustainability KPIs? Will this excite somebody coming into the finance field, let's say right out of college or graduate school, or will they say, ah, 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 too, too much work? I'm going to give you each a one-sentence answer, and then we have to close. Esteban, I'm going to go to you first. Will this something should be in the job description and will it excite people or will it say, I don't want the job? What do you think? I think that absolutely will excite them. If there are people with purpose that relate to contribute to make a better world, that should excite them. That's my take. Thank you. Very well done. Michelle, 30 seconds. Yeah. Go. Yes, it will definitely excite them. And let's say, let's take it a, a step further. I think also the S in ESG, let's say, is super important in engaging with somebody and trying to get somebody on board in, to work with your company. Like if you're not, uh, let's say, being exemplar to being socially engaged, then basically I think you can forget it. Thank you very much. Okay, wonderful. I really enjoyed speaking with both of you. Such good insights. Esteban, now you get the idea of how the show works, where we do the point, <laughs> counterpoint, back and forth. We covered a lot of information. I want to thank mm -hmm. Gabe, our engineer at Voice America Business Radio. I want to thank, of course, Chris Grundy at SAP and Pras Chatterjee as well for uh, being our sponsors and Chris being the showrunner for this one. And I want to thank Michelle Hazendogs at SAP and Esteban Restrolo Lerma. Shout out to mom at EY, and I'm going to close with the following, and Esteban, you've heard this many times. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Michelle. Wave goodbye. Just like Esteban, wave goodbye. And everybody say goodbye to LinkedIn. Goodbye to our live audience. 
Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.